Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Awesome. Yes. Can I just ask that, Catherine, can you stay up for a little bit longer? Is that cool? Is that okay? Could I ask you very nicely and kindly? And um, you guys can be seated. Thank you so much, Josh. What great hosting, man. I love hearing you sharing and communicating such great kingdom nuggets of goodness right there. And who is glad that you are living in the year 2018, which is a great year. Who believes that Isaiah 9 is correct when it says of the increase of the government and peace, of the increase of His, speaking about Jesus Christ, speaking about God, of the increase of His government. How many know what the government of God is? It's called the kingdom. Of the increase of His government and of His peace, there shall be no end. We have entered into an ever-increasing kingdom. Anyone alive? But it is carried on the shoulders of His sons and daughters. Anyone in here a son or daughter? Isaiah 9, Isaiah 11. Oh, a bit rusty. Isaiah 9 or Isaiah 11. Forgive me for not knowing the precise address. It says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will rest on his shoulders. And then it says of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. But on the shoulders of the son rests the government that is ever increasing, rests the kingdom of heaven that is ever increasing. And the principle that you and I in this room draw from that is not only does it rest on the shoulders of the Son who is the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, but He has handed the baton of ministry onto you and I in this room as His disciples. So the principle we draw from this is that the kingdom rests on the shoulders of sons, of daughters. That means where you go, you bring the kingdom of heaven with you into your environment because it's carried by sons and daughters. Are you following this? That means you're a change agent for the city of Christchurch and our nation. That means you've got what it takes because that kingdom that you're carrying, when it comes into an area, it is ever increasing. It is a growing kingdom. It is filling the atmosphere of that place that you bring it into. But the secret, one of the secrets I think is this, or one of the revealed mysteries, I should say, I don't want to sound like I'm Gnostic or something, <laughs> is that it's not just any son. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And then the government rests on his shoulders. It is a given son, a given daughter. There's something about a heart. There's something about the hearts in this room 
where there is a givenness to give our lives to the purposes and person of the King of the kingdom, Jesus Christ, His Father, and the Almighty Holy Spirit. There is a giving over that we purpose in our hearts to give ourselves to Him. It reminds me of John 3, 16, where for God so loves, by the way, in the Greek tense there, it's not God so loved, it's God so loves, ever continuing, present tense, continuing. He doesn't just loved the world back then, He still is loving the world in the year 2018, for God loves the world right now. But He gave His Son, which means that the Son is given, which means you and I in this room, as we enter into the Son, we too are given sons. When something is given from someone to someone else, Jesus was given from the Father to the world. For God so loves the world, He gave His Son to the world. And you too have entered into this where you are a given When something is given, how many know it's a gift? It's not a payment. It's not a reward. It's a gift. And you and I in this room, we are given to the world. That means we are a gift to the world. Did you know you're a gift to the world? You're a gift to the world given by the Father Himself to light up the world. As a, You're not a nuisance. You're not tolerated. You are a gift to your family, to your workplace, to your university, to your school, to this city. You are a gift. A treasure from the Father to the world you're so let me let me you're so a million miles away from just merely tolerated by him and tolerated by the world you're a gift a shining light let me share a a journey for you and then I want to pray and that's why I've asked you to to stay up here because I want to pray to start but I want to share a testimony I remember uh, recently, the Lord reminded me I was in an encounter. I was on the floor having some carpet time. I think it's good from time to time to have the hazard of carpet burns. <laughs> we had a worship night on Thursday night at our church, and it was like a hazard zone. <laughs> we probably need to do like health and safety checks for our altar calls. <laughs> People are on the floor and stumbling over people. And how many know it's good to have encounters where you're on the floor wrestling with his face, like Jacob, seeing him? And I was in an encounter, and the Lord took me back to a memory when I was 11 years old, and I was on the front, uh, I was on the top courts of my intermediate school at the start of my intermediate year, about 11 years old. And I remember primary school, 
that was awesome for me. I had a great primary school. Like I was just discovering my identity and expressing it all through primary school. Primary school was really good, really good for me. I had a good time. But intermediate was fed in by maybe 20 or so primary schools. It was called North Cross Intermediate on Auckland's North Shore. Fed in by 20 different primary schools. And at the start of that year, all the friend groups are being made, right? Everyone's making friends now because we don't know each other and it's feeding in from all these different primary schools. And so all of a sudden, this little 11-year-old boy has this core value of being cool, shooting up to number one core value. I just had to be cool. Why did I have to be cool? Because I'm wanting to form friend groups with people that are cool because I'm wanting to fit in. And I remember on the top quadrangle, top quad of the intermediate school, and I saw all these cool kids. I thought, oh my goodness, they're so cool. They're singing. Um, there was this glam rock band called Skid Row. Anyone remember Skid Row? Come on, man. Generation X. Yes. You are late 30s, early 40s. <laughs> hey, hey. And... Um, they were singing this uh, song together in a cappella. And I thought, oh my goodness, they're singing a song that my parents don't even let me listen to. <laughs> they are so cool. Wow. If only I could be in that group. And then I could fit in. Then I could belong. And then as I was in my encounter, real clearly, what I realized was a voice came to me that day. And that it was not the voice of the Lord. It was the voice of an enemy. But see, the thing is, I was 11 years old and I hadn't grown up in a church. And so I didn't know the weapons of warfare. I didn't know to discern the voice of an enemy. I don't like the enemy because he takes advantage of innocent kids. And the voice came to me that day. And as I'm looking at these cool kids, it says something like this, Andy, you are not cool enough to fit into that group. But Andy, I can make it so that that group will not reject you. I can make it so that they will tolerate you. If you be funny, they won't reject you. They will tolerate you. So I'm 11 and I'm presented with two options, rejection or toleration. And how many know, I had, I had a little bit of wisdom back then. <laughs> and when I have that choice, toleration compared to rejection is glorious. And so I made a decision that day to be tolerated. I just need to perform by being funny and I can be tolerated, they won't reject me. And I partnered that day with the voice of an enemy. And then in the encounter I had, I saw snapshot after snapshot after snapshot all through my teenage life, into my 20s, even into my 30s, where I had this mindset that if I can perform, if I can make people laugh, then they won't reject me. Those, those cool people, those powerful people, 
They'll tolerate me. I became a Christian when I was 21. And now it's all about not so much um, being tolerated by the cool people. It's about being tolerated by God now. <laughs> and so I, the lie comes on top. A religious lie comes on top of that lie to that 11-year-old boy saying, Andy, instead of if you be funny, they'll tolerate you. It's now, Andy, if you perform religious works, God can tolerate you. And you'll not be rejected by Him. And so, can you imagine what even my birthdays were like? Well, even as a Christian, when people would come and people would organize like a surprise birthday party for me to celebrate me. But I don't have a grid for celebration. My choices were rejection or toleration. And I had become really, really good at being tolerated, but I had no framework for being celebrated. So even my own birthdays were super awkward because it's meant to be about a celebration. I didn't even have a grid for that. This is making sense to anybody. And the Lord, in an encounter that I had a couple of years ago, showed me that little boy again and showed me how I'd been ripped off of so much of my life, showed me time and time again when I tried and connect with even Christian spiritual leaders. I was really good at getting to a place of toleration by them. Never celebration. To work so hard. And I'm on the floor and I see that. And then I go back into that vision. And this time I'm sensing the presence of the Lord. And in the vision, the words are coming to me of the enemy, rejection or toleration that I had wrapped my life around for 20 plus years. But this time I see a father figure on the right hand side of me. And he sees those words coming at me too. And I look at his face the first thing I see in this father figure was anger. The anger didn't last for too long. And really quickly, I knew that that anger was not targeted at me. It was targeted at an enemy that was trying to rip off a young boy from destiny. But then quickly the anger faded away. And eyes of empathy, eyes of compassion, eyes of love, water-filled eyes. And that father figure knelt down and he embraced me. And I was experiencing the father's embrace. But that embrace wasn't just an embrace of love. It was also a shield of protection. And I watched as those words came and they hit the back of this father figure and they fell to the ground. And then I heard the voice of the father speaking to me saying, my son, you are not to choose between rejection or toleration. My son, you are not tolerated by me. My son, you are celebrated by me. And I watched as those 
words of an enemy fell to the ground and healing came into my heart. And I began the journey of awakening to a lid being lifted off my life where I can actually be celebrated right now. (laughs) It doesn't feel awkward anymore. Because how many know in this room, you are one million miles away from merely being tolerated in the Father's presence. How many know in this room, as we were singing that song, oh, I love you, Uh, I long to be near you, I wanna be where you are. That's not just us singing that to Him. That is Him singing that to us. I just wanna be near you. I just want to be where you are. I just want to be near your heart. I love you. I love you. I love you. Isn't just our song to Him. It's His song to us. You're celebrated in His presence. You're celebrated in His presence. And I felt something of the anointing of the Spirit of God on that this morning to share that testimony with you so that you too, if anyone knows and can relate to what I was talking to and identify with that, then you too can have that broken down off your life and enter into the journey of, I am celebrated. I am celebrated. I am celebrated. So that you can be a celebration of God and bring heaven's celebration into the earth. It's the kingdom of celebration from celebrated sons and daughters. So I want to invite you to stand and I want to pray. Holy Spirit, everyone, I'd love you to stand and I want to pray to open up this meeting this morning. (laughs) Yes, Holy Spirit, you celebrate us. And Father, we've been taught time and time again so often it's like a default that almost like we have to apologize to come into your presence and say I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry to even come before you Lord but Lord I know that that breaks your heart because the scriptures say that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. And Lord, it's not like you you make an exception or you tolerate us coming into your presence. Father, when we open up our hearts to come before you, your whole face is lit up with joy. (laughs) And we are celebrated. We're not even merely invited into your presence. It goes so far beyond an invitation. It is a deep yearning on your heart. We are wanted by you. You are the Father that adores your children. You love us so much. You were prepared to go to the cross to die for us. You had to choose between having us and dying to not have us. So you chose to die to have us. That's how badly you want us, Father. And so living spirit, anyone in this room that has been through the same story that I've been through, rejection or toleration, anything that isn't a celebration of me coming before the presence of the Lord and your face just lighting up with joy, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, first of all, spirit of rejection, 
I bind you and say, what are you even thinking of doing here? You are not welcome whatsoever. There is no one in this room rejected by the Father and rejected by the people. I bind spirit of rejection, but spirit of toleration. Toleration is such a poor substitute for celebration. You're not tolerated. And so Holy Spirit, I'm asking that the voice of the Father would speak this morning. And Father, you would say something like this into our hearts. My son, my daughter, you are not merely tolerated, but I celebrate who you are. And living spirit, come and bring heaven's celebration into the hearts this morning. And let Father, I'm asking that people would awaken to the fact that you want them. There's a yearning. There's a yearning in the Spirit's heart for you. The deep of the Spirit calling out to you. Let them hear, my child, I love you. My child, I want you. My child, you mean the world to me. Shift from toleration into living embrace. I've never just merely tolerated you. You've only been celebrated by me. Father, fill us. Fill us. Fill us. Let us see the way heaven sees us. Oh, when we come into your presence, a celebration takes place. Holy Spirit, fill. More, more of your presence, more. Let the, let the Spirit of God begin to bring a celebration into this room as your sons and daughters come into your presence. You are celebrating us, Holy Spirit, celebrating us. More, Father, more, 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 more. Father, celebrated by Him, celebrated by Him. Joy, heaven's joy, joy, ha <laughs> ha, joy. It's a joyful thing to be in His presence. It's a joyful thing to be a celebrated daughter, a celebrated child. Holy Spirit, thank you, thank you, thank you. More, I'm asking for more, 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 more. You're celebrated, you are a celebration. <laughs> yes, you are. Amen. I just want us to give him a clap. Let's just give the Lord a clap. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Thank you, Abba. Yes. Yes. We join with heaven's celebration. Yes, 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 yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are celebrated. All right, all right. You can take your seat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I feel, I feel good about that. I feel good about that. Give me a wave if you could relate to what I was saying, by the way. I'd love to. Yep, yep. 
Yeah, it's a real attack on those sons and daughters of God, that one. I want to share a few stories, I, um, just a few stories of some of the good things that God's been doing. And I was trying to think of what, what, what's happened in the last one year and um, of some of the amazing things that God has been doing. And um, I wanted to share a story of a crusade that we did in the second largest city in Indonesia called Surabaya. So it's a Muslim, it's an Islamic city. I want to just, um, I, I, sent a, I sent a photo. So just get ready to show that, but hold off on that for a second. And um, in, this, in this crusade, we had two back-to-back crusades in this old stadium. And um, in, this, in an Islamic city where um, it's really hard for a foreign person to actually speak, you have to get a special license to speak, and so even on my passport, um, I had to have, um, I had to get special permission even just to speak, to do the healing part of the crusade. And this crusade, the first one in the morning, it was about a thousand children had come. They were bussed in from all sorts of different children's charities that were actually disabled children. So about a 1,000 children from every disabled charity for disabled children had been bussed into a stadium, and I'm doing the healing crusade. <laughs> how, many, how many know a little bit of pressure? A little bit of pressure. And, um, but how many know I'm before anything else, sonship before any other ship? So before I'm a crusade evangelist, I'm Papa's little boy that gets to hold his hand and all that pressure and all that weight and all that pressure to see major miracles happening can just fade away as I, as a little son of a great big Papa, lean back and hold my dad's hand and feel his presence. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Shuka, that's what I've been doing this morning. We all get to be sons and daughters holding the hand of a big, big papa. And life is a lot easier that way. We don't need to prove ourselves or try and be the man. We get to be a son. We get to be a daughter. And uh, the pressure is off. And um, so um, one of the testimonies that took place, there was a, there was a, one of the charities was a deaf school, actually, of young deaf uh, children, many of them mute, deaf mutes, about 15 of them. And um, in the healing time, we had two of them come up onto the stage and for the first time in their lives uh, hear and speak. The, and they were speaking the name of Jesus right there in that Islamic city which is just phenomenal. And in fact, our team prayed for them. And his testimony is that every single one of those kids received healing in their ears so that it's no longer a deaf school. We wrecked the school. (laughs) How crazy is that? But there was this this young boy. I'm going to guess that he was maybe nine or 10 years old, maybe 10 or so. And he'd never, he was a crippled boy. And he was an orphan boy. He was an orphan in, an, in, in a charity, and he was crippled. And he'd never been able to stand in his entire life unsupported. 
And so his legs were really skinny and, and curled up and messed up. And our team in the healing time began to, it was Frankie, Matt, and um, Giddy began to pray for him. And so they were holding him up and um, prayed for him and then let him go. And the other one, Giddy, so Frankie was praying here, Giddy was here, and Giddy was here to encourage him to walk. And he's going to give him a big hug. And so Frankie lets him go. And he just crumples onto the floor. He just crumples onto the floor of that old stadium. And so they pick him up again, and they pray again. I love this. I love this. Jesus actually, in one account in the Gospels, prayed twice. It was in the book of Mark where he's praying for a blind man, and he releases the anointing. He asks the blind man to test it out. And you remember this? He says, I see people walking as if they are trees. So you can only see them unclearly. So Jesus himself puts the anointing on this one a second time and allows more time for the anointing to work. And his eyes pop open and he sees clearly again. So I figure if Jesus had to pray twice, it's okay for us to have to pray twice, maybe three times, maybe four times. Just get the anointing on them for as long as we can. Let the anointing do the work. And so they prayed a second time, and then Frankie let the crippled boy go, and he actually, for the first time in his life, began to walk into Giddy, and then Giddy gave him this huge hug, and he's just walked for the first time in his life, and the joy on this little boy's face. But then this little boy figured, oh my goodness, I can walk, and I'm th pretty sure any kind of little boy would think the same way. If I can walk... I wonder if I can run. And so we're in this stadium and there's this boy just beginning to test out to see if he can run. And for the first time in his life, he's running from the back of the stadium to the front of the stadium and back again. And can we show the photo? Because it captures this face of an orphan boy who for the first time in his life is running. And look at his bib. Does anyone see what that says? An orphan boy. I love you, Daddy. <laughs> oh, Papa. So good. So good. He'd had an encounter with the God who was the Father. And that bib actually was now prophesying to the reality of his world as he'd met a God who would come crashing into his world and delivered him from his crippled lifestyle so that he can walk and run for the first time in his life. God is very, very beautiful and very, very kind and very, very good. Amen. But then, and then one of the marker moments for me that is gonna be etched into my heart to the day I die that I'll never forget happened actually that evening. So we just did two crusades. The next crusade actually was more people, about two and a half thousand people that had been shipped in from the slums and from people living on um, grave sites and rubbish tips. And oh, I just loved that stuff. And there's guys with guns, and you're not allowed to preach if you preach Jesus too crazily. Like they, 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 they pull you down from the stage, and everyone's freaking out. And oh, I love that, Gideon. 
come alive. I want you to come. And you too. You have an inheritance over there. Even for your grandfather. Um, but then a marker moment came for me um, that night. And we had a dinner. And it was a dinner that was for interfaith. So it was an interfaith religious leaders dinners. About 20 Islamic leaders were in the room. And I don't know how many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers that these imams or habibs, as they call them over there, were representing. But not only were there 20 Islamic leaders, um, the main leaders of that city and from around the region, some of them had flown in for the dinner. There were also the religious leaders of Hinduism, Confucianism, Spiritism, um, Buddhism. And it was about religious harmony and how we can actually not kill each other, basically, <laughs> which I'm all about. <laughs> Yay, peace. <laughs> and, um, and so each of the, they had a representative of each religion sharing for five minutes about how their religion actually had some harmony to it and could actually work together. And then they asked, um, so they, the, the Islamic leaders shared, the Hindu leadership, Buddhists, every, they all shared. And then I was invited to share. And um, so I, 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 hadn't, I hadn't prepared anything or anything like that. We'd actually sung this song together, Psalms 133, how blessed it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Your thing about the net. And, you know, how, how blessed it is when brothers dwell together in unity. We were singing together with the Islamic leader, the Hindu leader, which I thought was pretty cool. But part of that song is... Um, the anointing comes down and it flows down and it's like the Jew, the heavenly Jew that waters the earth. And there the Lord commands a blessing. And so I felt, I'm just gonna bounce off that song that we've sung. And so I said, how blessed it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like the oil and that oil, it's that, like the oil coming down, the Jew of heaven. And sometimes that oil, when it comes down from heaven, brings healing into our bodies. And there are people here that have pain in their bodies, I sit in that room. And we had words of knowledge. He's commissioned the team to go out. And in about three or four minutes, we'd had, where well, there was more Islamic leaders than any other religion there, we had about 20 miracles take place. Wow. 20 miracles took place amongst the Islamic leaders of the top level. The, the Islamic leader that had spoken was the leader of the committee of Islam in Surabaya, which is a city of 5 million, <laughs> at least on the books, probably 10 million because of the slums and stuff. And the third to testify, I love this testimony, was the Confucius leader. And he's got a huge smile on his face. And he says this, I had a motorcycle accident two years before and I had cracked my skull and I have headaches every day because of it. But when the heavenly oil was released, which was, by the way, released in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. When the heavenly, he said, when the heavenly oil released, I felt a warm oil come into my body 
but it stayed mostly in my head. Then I noticed that my headache disappeared, and then I went to find the crack in my skull, and I can no longer find the crack in my skull. <laughs> Testified in front of all the Islamic leaders. Oh! And miracle after miracle of these imams just testifying to the Spirit of God coming into their bodies and healing them. Instant. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, fun stories. Fun stories of good stuff. Let me, um, I, I, this is my last time I'm with you. And it is the morning, so I can do a tiny bit of teaching. And I think Matt has the afternoon. So, that's not a very good time to teach, by the way. So, he's going to probably have to prophesy or No. Late morning. Two mornings. Two mornings. No afternoon. Come on. That's the wisdom of the Lord right there because that is the worst session. Two o'clock in the afternoon is the worst session to ever take. You got to preach really hard. This morning, um, I want to just teach not for too long and then release an impartation. And... Um, I want to talk about how Christ's secret place is actually now become our secret place. That we have access in the same realms of the secret place as what Christ had access into. And I want to speak something that would inspire us into accessing such a place of depth in our times with God that we are literally transformed and that we are literally experiencing something of what Christ experienced in the secret place because I don't believe that his secret place was boring. I don't believe it was hard work. I believe he was absolutely in an almost like ecstatic joy of being with the Father. Anyone with me on that? And sometimes my secret place feels a little bit hard feels like I have to use a little bit of discipline, but I want to shift it out from discipline into absolute pure ecstasy. I'm going to speak on that this morning. Um, like I was sharing this morning, Christ was given. He was a given son. He, it says in um, the book of John chapter 10 that no one takes my life from me. I choose to lay it down. What that means is not even a drop of Jesus' blood was taken from him at the cross. Satan took nothing from Christ at the cross. That's what that means. 100% of his life was given. And so the life of the Christian is a given life, not a taken from life. And so if there's any area of your life where you feel taken from, that is not the Christ life. Your life is given, but there was a time in Christ's life where the giving of his life was wrestled through and finalized where he was sweating in blood and he was choosing and bending his will to the will of the Father. Holy Spirit, help me to preach this. And then that, that, that time is, in, is the moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. Anyone with me on that? Who's been to the Garden of Gethsemane, by the way? Or who's going there soon? Who's going to Israel soon? Give me a wave. Who wants to go to Israel? Give me a wave. And in Israel, there's the Garden of Gethsemane, and that is where Jesus is sweating blood and choosing within Him, in the place of the presence of God, a yes 
I will give my life. And if you in this room have wrestled through with God and your yes has been cemented in the presence of the Lord, when the storm comes, your yes will stay a yes. And when people fall away, when the storm comes, I wonder if they have been in the secret place of the presence, sealing the yes. And I wanna look at how Christ sealed his yes. So we're gonna, we're gonna, read, um, we're gonna read about the Garden of Gethsemane. The setting is, it's a follow-on almost from last night where we talked about the Last Supper, where Jesus had the Last Supper with the disciples. And then he puts the morsel in, he dips it in the sauce or whatever, hands it to Judas. He just washed their feet. We talked about it last night. He hands a covenant of love to Judas. Judas doesn't take it. He takes that morsel and goes out into the darkness and he's about to betray Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with a kiss. Okay, let's read. They, they, they come out from the Last Supper. I'm gonna make this a legal meeting and I'm gonna read. Um, let's read, uh, we'll read Luke, Matthew 26. Before I do, read Matthew 26. Any Bibles turning to Matthew 26? Yes. I feel so supported by you guys. I think a few more of you have actually bought paper Bibles this morning. Josh, you bought a paper Bible this morning. This is a good sign. I'm feeling the love. Thank you for loving me very well and the Lord very well. Paper Bibles are, I know they're a bit retro. I know they're a bit retro, a bit old school, but bring back the retro, I say. Um, let me read Luke 22 first. Don't turn there because I'm only gonna read one verse. Um, so the, the context is Judas has gone off to betray him. They've just left the Last Supper table. It's probably half an hour or so um, after. Verse 39 of Luke 22, and he came out, Jesus came out and proceeded as was his custom. Say custom. To the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. Now, I'm just gonna pick it up in Matthew because I get more from Matthew. Verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. It's the same scene in Matthew as it was in Luke. And said to his disciples, sit here. So he says to his disciples, sit here while I go over here and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. And he said to him, to them, Peter and the two sons, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed saying, my father is possible. Let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He's sweating blood and he's bending his will. But I want you to picture this. He's on the garden. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He takes his disciples. They've just had the meal together. Judas is gone. So there's 11 of them now. He sits down eight and says, sit here to eight. He takes three of the 11 deeper into the garden, deeper into the olives. And he has them stay there. And then Jesus moves 
another depth deeper into the olives himself. So did you capture that? Eight, three, one, deeper into the olives. Got that? Okay, eight, three, one, deeper into the olives. Sounds quite mysterious. Eight, three, one, deeper into the olives. I like the sound of that. Eight, three, one, deeper into the olives. Sounds pretty cool, right? Eight, three, one, deeper into the olives. <laughs> oh, man. Now, Jesus chose his place of betrayal. This is what I want to talk about. The place of his betrayal was carefully, strategically, purposely chosen by Jesus Christ himself. He chose the field of battle for one of the ultimate showdowns between darkness and light. Why did Jesus choose Gethsemane to be the place of his betrayal? Because it would have been a whole lot easier had he have just stayed in the city at the Last Supper table, right? Judas could have easily brought the troops. He could have gone to the temple. He could have gone anywhere else. He could have chosen anywhere to be betrayed. But Jesus chooses his place of betrayal. And he chooses it in Gethsemane, which is on the Mount of Olives, which was the place that he was customed to go to. Customs means more than just every now and again. Jesus, time after time, after time, after time, as was his custom, would pray on the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives is called the Mount of Olives, or Mount Olivet, guess why? Anyone, anyone want to take a stab in the dark why it was called the Mount of Olives? Covered in olive trees! And another name for Mount of Olives is, and it's to this day, it's still called this, Mountain of Anointing. The Mount of Olives to this day, and even in Jesus' day, was called also Mountain of Anointing. Why? Really simple. All of the olive trees on it were crushed to become oil that is the base ingredient for anointing. And it's called Gethsemane because Gethsemane in the English translation means simply this, oil press. That's what Gethsemane means. Oil press. Got that right? It's good when I hear from Gideon. That's right. Makes me feel. That's right. Celebrated. And theologically correct. Because you've been there. Oil press. The reason why Gethsemane is called oil press is obviously because either at that time or when it was getting the name, there was an oil press in that garden, in that grove of olives. There was an oil press there, and the oil was obviously olive oil press on the Mount of Olives, and that the olives from this garden would have been used 
in that press and crushed and taken about the 10 or so minute walk. I haven't been there, don't fully know that. 10 or so minute walk to the temple to be used as oil in the temple. Now, what was the oil used for in the temple? Anointing, anointing oil. Anointing oil was used in the temple, mixed with some spices, used to pour on that which was common so that it would become holy. When anything which was common would come in contact with the anointing oil, it would become holy. But Jesus has gone right to the very source of where they would literally get the olives from for the temple, for the anointing. He's gone right under some of the very trees. They would have plucked the olives from. There he is bending his will, being almost, if you will, crushed in prayer, being pressed as the good olive, right? So that he could become the, he's gone right to the source of the shadow anointing that was used in the temple as the true anointing. And what the shadow anointing could only prophesy to, Jesus is about to become. And he's about to go into the temple as well. And this, oh, there's so much I could say about this, but I'm running out of time. Just, um, just take off, man. <laughs> no. no, 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 I won't. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go really far. I'll make it take a little bit of time. If you'll give that to me. Because you're given sons, not taken from sons and daughters. You in this room, the true anointing of the true Holy Spirit has come on you so that anything that is common that you come into contact with is made holy. But that's just one use of the oil in the temple. Let me talk about one more use of what the oil was for in the temple. The oil, the pure oil that was crushed was put into the temple to become the fuel that goes into the menorah that lights up the temple. And here's Jesus right at the very source of that fuel that would be burnt and light up the temple. He is about to go there and become the true light that lights up not just the temple, but the whole wide world. And what happens is Judas is betraying him. Now, he's chosen his place of betrayal. I'm going to link this all in together. He's chosen his place of betrayal. But he was accustomed to go there. Now, what you need to understand is this right here, the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, is the geographical secret place of Christ. It is the place he would go time and time and time again and pursue the Father with everything in him. But by the way, as he pursued the Father with everything in him, 
he would have realized or already known that the father was pursuing him more than he was pursuing the father because he's the God who's hunting us down with his love. And he was the beloved son, not just the lover. He was the beloved. And so the father was pursuing him in that place time and time again. And then the moment comes when Judas comes with a cohort, which is 600. Did you know 600 soldiers came? Judas, the betrayer, is at the lead of 600 soldiers. And Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. And so this garden of encounter after encounter, Jesus has chosen the garden of encounter to become the garden of betrayal where he receives one kiss of betrayal in a place where he'd already received 100,000 kisses of the Father. One kiss of betrayal in the place of 100,000 kisses of the Father. (laughs) He chose the place of his betrayal to be the place of his encounter. Why? What's going on? What is going on? And then he is bound there. And he is bound there before and taken before um, Pilate, Herod, Caiaphas, the high officials. And he's bound all the way until he's let go of his binds and he is hanging off a cross. And Judas comes to Jesus in that place and kisses him. But here's the thing. The spirit of Satan, it says, has filled Judas So it's almost like an incarnation of Satan is kissing Jesus on the cheek, who's an incarnation of God, the Spirit of God. Now, what darkness does not know, what Satan, what darkness does not know as he is kissing Jesus is that Jesus has just been in Gethsemane where he has become the pure oil that is about to light up, not just that temple down there, but the whole entire world. Darkness is kissing him, but darkness doesn't realize he is the fuel about to light up the whole wide world. And when he lights up the whole wide world, how many know what happens to darkness? (sighs) Here he is, the pure oil about to light up and the 600 men come and they ask him are you Jesus he says I am What's, you know what happens 600 men fall to the ground under the power of the spirit why is that because they've come into the place of encounter they've come into the garden of encounter they've come into a secret place there's something about the secret place that is filled with the presence of the Lord And 600 men fall out in the power. But then they get up again. And somehow, I don't know how, but Jesus restricts the power. And they are able to kiss of betrayal and bind him and take him to the cross. Now, I am finishing. Can I ask for the band? Do I need the band? Do you mind if I just ask for you? And it's so... um, 
you celebrated, Catherine. You're not just tolerated. Yes, that's right. You're getting this. I'm feeling so much love here. Now, here's what I want you to get. Why did he choose the place of his betrayal to be the place of his encounter? And why is he bound in that place of encounter of time and time again meeting with the Father and then taken straight to the cross? Let me see if I can articulate this. Hmm, Holy Spirit, help me to get my words right. But he chooses the place of betrayal, the garden of betrayal, to be the garden of encounter. That one kiss of betrayal and the 100,000 kisses of the Father because he brings betrayal and darkness into the place of encounter. Now, Eight, let me go back to this. I never finished what this 831 was about. I gotta finish the 831, man. I gotta get gotta to tie this together, man. Tie this together. Eight, three, one, deeper into the secret place. But here was the problem. No one could go all the way in. And here's the deal. The deeper you go into the secret place, the deeper you go into the olives. What I mean by that is the deeper into the secret place, the deeper into the anointing. And But the problem was this. There was only one person on the planet that could go all the way in. There was eight out here. At least they were in the, I'm, I'm going to speak to you. Where are you this morning? There was eight here on the outskirts of the garden. At least they were in. That's about, I think, one, uh, two thirds. One quarter of them were deeper into the secret place, deeper into the oil. But only one could go into the deepest place in the secret place. No one else could get that close to the Father. It was impossible. We could not get there. But Jesus is bound in that place, Gideon, and then taken from that very place to the cross of Calvary. It's almost as if He enfolds the secret place. It's almost like the bindings. It's like the masking tape on a package of the encounter, the garden of encounter being taken all the way to the cross of Calvary so that when He stretches out His hands, it's as if that secret place that He had experienced is shot out off into the entire cosmos as Jesus, let me try and articulate this, as He's pouring His soul out unto death. Sorry for the speaker. As He's, hear me, as He's pouring His soul out unto death on the cross, Jesus was fashioned in the secret place. It was where He was defined by the Father. It's where He met with God, but He takes it bound with Him all the way to Calvary's cross. And as He's pouring out His soul, that very secret place is being poured out into all of the world so that now no longer does it need to be eight, three, 
but only one in the deepest place because we cannot legally go there. But He's brought His secret place to the cross and put it out so that each of you and I in this room have now got access to that same place. The secret place of Christ was taken from Gethsemane, the mountain of olives, the mountain of anointing, but more than the mountain of anointing, the mountain of intimacy with the Father over and over and over and over again where he encountered God and is fashioned by God. He takes it to the cross and pours it out so that you and I in this room have the same access. Each of us now can go right on in and the same secret place of Christ has been poured out for you and I to enter into, enter into the same place as Christ. I wanna invite you to stand up. Holy Spirit, you have access. He has paid the greatest price to bring His secret place to the cross and then pour it out into the world. Oh, I love that. And so that payment of that price is worth it when you choose to access it and go all the way in deeper into the olives, deep into the secret place where before no one could go that deep, but now you can. And so Jesus Christ, we're not just waiting for some anointed minister to lay hands on us because Jesus, you gave us the access. And right now I just wanna invite you with this revelation and what I've been sharing this morning in the same way that Christ experienced the Father you can experience the Father Christ's secret place has become our secret place and so I want to invite you to enter in Father we come before you Jesus, you paid such a high price. We open up our hearts to you, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that we have access to the deepest places. The way that you, Jesus, see the Father, you gave to us as a gift right now. And so I wanna invite you this morning just to lift up your hands, open up your heart and enter, 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 enter. Father, Father, how did Jesus experience you? I want to experience you that way. And I have access. And you paid a price so that I could have access to that. Holy Father. Holy Father. And Father, right now, we lean back into the arms of a father that catches us in the same way. He caught the son, Jesus Christ, every time he leaned back. And we allow your presence to fill us this morning. And we let go of all the shame and all the pain and all the wondering about are we good enough? And we see Jesus, you wanted us to have the same access to your Father as you had. And you gave it to us through the cross and the baptism of the Spirit. 
we draw near. And so right now, the Father is so close. Some of you might even be able to begin to make out something of His face, the presence of the Lord around you. I just want to invite you just for the last 30 seconds to one minute. I'm just going to give a God gap right now, a God gap for you to lean into wherever you're sensing the presence of the Lord right now or seeing Him in the vision right now. Just go deeper into that. Knowing you have access. Knowing Jesus paid the price for you to enter all the way in. his embrace he's right here he loves you let him speak just another 20 seconds